Welcome to another episode of Tuesdays with Roger. I'm Diana Gouverts, and once again, we are here with Roger Etner of Recon Analytics. Hey, Roger. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Uh, today, we have uh, one more special guest with us, uh, and that is Tormod Larson of Exonet Systems. Uh, how are you, Tormod? Pretty good. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we are going to have a really interesting chat this week um, with Roger and Tormad. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about DAS and CBRS and uh, a whole mess of other things. So I thought I would start off with maybe, Tormad, if you could tell us a little bit more um, about the trends you're seeing in DAS these days. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, from a technical perspective, um, you said DAS, but it's all kind of converging and migrating from what we traditionally seen as DAS towards small cells and CRAN. Um, but you know, they're very similar in a lot of respects in terms of how they are deployed. Um, so from a technical perspective, that's what we see. It's kind of that convergence and, and migration uh, between different technologies and architectures. Um, from a business perspective, it's also very interesting where traditionally it's been the carriers that have paid for these networks either directly or indirectly. Uh, we're definitely seeing, you know, specifically in the indoor environment, that the building owners start seeing a greater value. Um, as Ian Gilliatt and IGR just um, did a study where they um, came to the conclusion that uh, building owners thought that having a 4G system in a building increased the value of the real estate with about 12% which is significant when we're looking at buildings that are you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. Right, okay. Um, and so you're CTO over at Exonet, and I'm wondering if you can kind of break down the difference for us uh, between DAS systems and small cells, which we've seen a lot in the industry um, these days. I mean, can, can you kind of give us a pros and cons approach to that? Yeah, um, maybe first I could kind of go a little bit through the similarities, right? Sure. If you look at um, in the outdoor environment, if you deploy a DAS system, a small cell system, or CRAN, um, you typically will locate the remote node on a street lamp, utility pole, or that type of infrastructure. And then you will connect it via typically dark fiber back to aggregation point where you'll hand off the traffic to um, the rest of the network. Um, in DAS, what we're transporting over that fiber and through those nodes and antennas is basically just a radio signal. It's re replacing the coaxial cable that used to go up the tower. Um, if you look at a remote radio head, um, now you basically have split the, um, the baseband processing, the digital portion of the, the base station with the radio portion of the uh, base station. And you put the radio portion of the base station on the pole, connect that via that same dark fiber back to the aggregation point where you will have the baseband uh, processing. And a lot of cases, they talk about that centralized baseband pooling. And then a small cell is basically just a small version, version of the base station we usually see on the bottom of the tower. And you now, it's so small that you could put it on um, the utility pole or street lamp and then have fiber going back um, from a more backhaul transport perspective back into the network. So that's kind of the differences between them. And 
you know, architecturally, they could look very similar, and that's the reason there's some confusion sometimes in the marketplace about it. Okay. I do want to turn things over to Roger. I know these are two, uh, two um, I guess, items that are, are really hot in the industry right now, so I'm sure you probably have plenty of questions for Tomad. Yeah, so Tomad, uh, how does 5G impact, uh, impact your business model? Actually, we're very excited about 5G. If you uh, look at 5G and the vision about 5G, it's basically three different um, use cases, if you want. Uh, the first one is ultra high bandwidth. Um, the second is mission critical applications. And the third one is uh, IoT, Internet of Things, this massive um, amount of connectivity to everything, basically. Um, to be able to accommodate that, uh, the networks need to be able to obviously provide uh, high capacity and the throughput, which you know we, we've seen in 4G, your densification through DAS small cells and CRAN is 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 critical to be able to do that. And when we um, want to provide even more higher bandwidth and more connected devices, that densification trend will just continue. The second thing that might uh, we or traditionally companies like ourselves haven't maybe focused as much on is the core side of the network. Um, we actually have focused on that because we see a need to also start distributing that functionality close to the edge of the network. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's where you know you talk about NFV and some of that. Um, so. That's, we're very excited about that as well. That obviously um, increased opportunity for us. Okay. Especially with when we look at it in terms of hotspot cells, because that looks very similar to what you're doing already. And when you go into millimeter wave, and, and uh, so do you foresee the whole segmentation to go much, much smaller? in terms of what you deliver with DAS? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, the, the, a couple of things that I see already start kind of changing a little bit compared to, uh, compared to what we've seen in the past when it comes to how do you roll out next generation networks. Mm -hmm. In the past, you kind of had this mentality that you're going to roll it out nationwide with the same type of architecture and approach. Yeah. Um, we see now, and, and I think that the millimeter wave is a great example, that have application that, have, you know, uh, fixed wireless is a great example where that's a good use case for it. But it's other places where it doesn't fit as well, and I don't think it will be used. So you're kind of getting this concept where you've seen data networks being designed in the past of networks within networks or network off networks, and we're leveraging the best frequency band and the best technology to provide a service rather than try to build this homogeneous network, you know, you really take advantage of the heterogeneous network approach. Exactly, exactly. Because when, when I look at DAS, it's you're, you're inserting like uh, almost a different organism into that network and it works homogeneously together with it. So and I see 5G as almost the same because I don't see nationwide millimeter wave networks uh, going to be up. 
but they play a very important role in in high demand uh, environments. I, I agree. It's you know if you build well, building out Luxembourg was one thing. If you're building out the U.S., you know with the, with the way, vast size of the country, building out with millimeter wave doesn't make any sense. You know to do that for square, every square inch of the country. Yeah, yeah, no, and and so do you see that your skill set and your um, capabilities will then be more leveraged by by the carriers? Uh, absolutely. You know that's what we kind of done. If you look at our footprint today. It's, it's very much filling in the gaps where the carriers had significant challenges. You know, mm -hmm. early on in our business, it was coverage in high-end residential areas. Then it migrated into, you know, dense outdoor environments, Manhattan, San Francisco, Las Vegas, you know, major cities, and then obviously indoor as well. So that type of, of mentality obviously aligned really well with what we've done. Um, and it might not only be the carriers, right? Um, it, that's part of what I said earlier. You start kind of changing a little bit on how you look at how infrastructure is deployed and, and who's funding it as well. So, so there are all that many, many big buildings. Big buildings. How, small how small do you get? Where, where do you see the demand going down to in terms of, um, of buildings who want to have uh, their own DAS system? Yeah, very good question, and, and that's the, one of the questions the industry kind of been wrestling with over the last maybe 18, 24 months. Uh, to your point, a lot of the larger buildings, the airports, the casinos, kind of public venues, and you know, we've done like the Empire State Building, uh, Village Tower, some of those really large buildings. Um, you know, the economics and and, and the entire process that typically have been deployed in the past mm -hmm. have worked for that. Yep. As we are looking at where the really needs are today, is in people sometimes call it a middle price, you know, that next tier of, of buildings. Um, it's so many of them, it's millions, you know. Um, we've done different studies, I've done different studies, but it's, you know, it's just millions of buildings. And the traditional model of project by project, building by building, um, doesn't work and that's where you need to get it more streamlined and from a funding perspective as well that's where you see the shift from the carrier seeing maybe a greater value to actually being the building owner that seeing the value and with the introduction of CBRS and some of those that might even um, accelerate that trend yeah because if you're a big casino, if you're the Empire State Building, you have a lot of leverage. If you're a four-story uh, um, commercial building in, you name the city in, in whatever state, you don't have that much leverage. So you have to do it yourself, or you have to go to somebody like you. Yeah, and, and the other part of it, and you're absolutely right, but you know, think about a hotel or, like you said, a multi-tenant office building. Um, they like to serve 100% of their tenants, meaning that it's not good enough to get one of the carriers or two. Yeah. They like all four carriers, and you know, based on spending cycles and focus from a marketing perspective uh, between the carriers, 
you might not have that alignment when the you know the, the, that building owner need it. Exactly. So it falls to them. Yep. Back to you, Diana. Great. Uh, so, Tomad, you've been uh, talking a little bit about how. Um, DAS systems have kind of allowed um, different players to kind of get into the whole business of getting networks up and running. Um, and one of the other things that um, is or could have an impact on that is CBRS. I mean, we've been hearing a lot about how CBRS might impact, um, you know, the ability of smaller players to come up with their own private networks. I mean, can you talk about how that interplays with your business at all and, and, and any other connections there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, first of all, very um, excited about CBRS. Um, and the reason being is um, it enable, um, like you said, maybe new customers that you could provide you know, private LTE networks. Uh, we honestly think that that's where we'll see some of the first CBRS networks is for those type of applications. It could be IoT. It could be you know, uh, building management systems that are riding on um, those type of networks. Uh, versus Wi-Fi because it's more secure and it's actually independent of the tenants and the Wi-Fi. Um, and it's also creating a network where we could deploy one infrastructure and support also multiple uh, customers, in this case, carriers and a building owner. So you know, as we were talking about, maybe this middle segment, now we have a more streamlined, cost-effective way of deploying with potentially you know, more revenue streams to offset that investment. All that good for obviously a company like ourselves that love to build infrastructure and then go and, and, and lease access to that to as many, many customers as we can. Okay. Um, can you speak a little bit to some of the regulatory challenges that have kind of popped up, not just around small cells, but also maybe DAS systems as um, the FCC has kind of toyed with the uh, specifications there? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, what's kind of been the biggest challenge is um, the discrepancy uh, from municipality to municipality in terms of how do you, what is the process? Uh, in a lot of municipalities, um, this is something new for them. They don't have a process and you need to kind of work with them to define the process and just the delay in doing that and then you have some um, municipalities that, you know, they're used to the macroeconomics where, you know, you had one cell tower covering your town and now we're coming in and we're deploying, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, but they still want the same economics that was on one that single tower, right? So, um, so that's been part of it. And um, obviously aesthetics is always critical and, and um, you're getting closer in, in in these environments and creating some some standardization around that and and making sure that we all are good neighbors in that case um in some instances been a little bit of a challenge and that's what fcc actually stepping in now and creating some definitions around it and that will be beneficial to not only the small cell it's actually across the board for small cell DAS here and these type of deployments where you are deploying on lower rad centers, typically on existing infrastructure. So that's uh, um, where the challenge has been, and I think it will be for a while, but it's good to kind of get uh, that support from FCC to be able to um, maybe drive that a, a little bit quicker uh, throughout the country. All right. 
Before I turn it back over to Roger, I just wanted to ask one more question because you had mentioned uh, earlier um, about CRAN and you were talking about the need to, to, to bring some of the computing closer to the edge of the network. Uh, so I'm wondering, if can, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, how quickly is that progressing? Uh, why is it necessary and how does it interplay with uh, the whole mass deployment of small cells and DAS systems? Yeah, absolutely. What's kind of interesting is, you know, um, a lot of the deployments that we have done to today, um, in the media, they've called it small cells, but it has really been CRAN. Um, and um, obviously, the reason that um, we see that trend, um, uh, and, and uh, even more so into 5G, going to be kind of the method is when you deploy um, you know, dense networks, dense radio networks, interference starts becoming a challenge. With CRAN, because you have that centralized um, control over all of the radio uh, transmitters, um, you have the ability to minimize the interference and actually, a lot of cases, be able to take advantage of the fact that you have multiple transmitters. So think about it almost like with mono and stereo. Now you start getting you know, more than I know what it is after stereo, but you get, you know, basically a signal from multiple sources and being able to um, uh, combine that and create a better performing network. Um, and then obviously with CRAN, you also hear people talk about Cloud RAN. So centralized RAN is basically the first step of getting to that Cloud RAN as well with the same type of benefits. Okay. I'm sure Roger has some follow-up questions, so I'm going to turn it back to him. Yeah, no, uh, what, coming back to the deployment side, um, how, how long does it take you to, to get approval for, for some of your sites? What, what's the range that you're seeing? It's a wide range. Um, it could be you know, six months um, to 18 months. Um, approval processes, uh, I think it's a, a good kind of range. You obviously have some outliers on, on both sides of that, um, but that's a, a good kind of range, which obviously is quite a bit of time, and that's part of this challenge we talked about before. When you're going to deploy 10,000, if not 100,000 of small cells, we need to find ways of streamlining that and reducing that time. And, and because you need to roll it out there, it needs to be more standardized, right? Exactly, I need to be more standardized across the country. Because yeah. that six to 18 months is between different municipalities, and it could even be the municipalities next to each other. Oh, wow. So what do you contribute to that? Is it different rules or, or different personalities or uh, Protests by by people who live there. What what do you see? It's a combination of that, right? You obviously have local government, and when it comes to um, the rules they have in place and and how they uh, operate, um, could be very different. Um, so you know, when we go from one municipality to another, you know, we have a lot of our networks are crossing multiple municipalities, and we need to deal with them independently and separately. And that's where you know some of those discrepancies are coming into play. Um, so you know, if you start driving a little bit more of that consistency, 
I think it's beneficial to both the municipalities and companies like ourselves. Yeah, and it should be quite the differentiator for different municipalities if they allow uh, DAS systems in in uh, multi-unit multi uh, business uh, buildings. Uh, one, you know, I think a business who has to wait for 18 months to have uh, great coverage in a building, I don't think they necessarily want to move there, right? No, and, and six to 18 months is, you know, outdoors. Um, indoors, the good news is uh, we're dealing with a building owner and more and more, they are very, very motivated to make it happen. Um, so honestly, there the longer pull and attend could be the carriers and you know um, the design process of working with them. But clearly, for indoor, you know that that process is shorter. We could deploy networks within a few months or some cases actually weeks indoors. Um, but outdoors, and you're right, outdoors we we see this is interesting where um, we had municipalities that you know, what drawing out the process and making it difficult, turning around and coming and say, look, my average house price is going down because our broadband service is not good enough. How could you help us? So we start seeing that more and more. And I think that helps obviously when you start seeing the value of, you know, being connected if you want. Yeah, absolutely. And, and wireless more and more becomes a substitute uh, for fixed internet. So, Roger, I actually have a question for you, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, I mean, we're, we're hearing from Tormad that, um, you know, these timelines for approval, they vary so much. And as you know, we've been watching the carriers are coming out with these timelines for deployments of mobile 5G. And, you know, they're setting 2018, 2019, 2020. I mean, can they really control this? I mean, how is this going to impact their plans? They have a difficult time controlling this. Now, uh, the it all hinges on the approval process. And there are places where you have very rapid, as, as Tomon said, very rapid approval process. You know, for example, it will surprise you. New York City has a very easy approval process. When you go across the river to New Jersey, has a very drawn out approval process. So. Uh, that's why you're seeing the, the networks not necessarily coming up all at the same time everywhere. And uh, that's why you have these staggered uh, rollouts. And it's not always, uh, very often, not the carrier's fault. Uh, when, when you name the city here, rolls out uh, so much faster than the one over the river or over the state line down there. The same crews were there, the same design process. But uh, one was holed up by, by regulatory review. So I want to uh, just follow up really quickly. Let's, let's go with a worst case scenario. They can't get anything approved. The 5G specs are out. And they're breaking their promises because they can't get these mobile 5G networks out to their customers. I mean, is that going to do any brand damage uh, in terms of consumers expecting one thing and them not being able to deliver? Well, again, I haven't seen a given municipality treating one carrier different than the other. Okay. Some had the, the luxury of being there earlier than the other, and but uh, everybody gets gets treated the same way. It's just who has already existing sites. 
and, and a lot of the 5G will be on existing sites. Uh, but even there, you have differences in approval process from municipality to municipality. But it's then around new, new greenfield sites. That, that's where the challenge comes in. And where some municipalities are a lot more uh, forward-looking and a lot more, lot more responsive than others. Okay. So speaking of being forward-looking, uh, I have one last question for Tomad uh, before I turn it over to you for final comments. Uh, Tomad, can you just give us a forward-looking perspective of, uh, you know, DAS systems, small cells, CBRS from Exonet's point of view? Sure. Um, I think like I, I indicated earlier, um, we kind of look at all of that as distributed networks. And the reason we talk about it that way is we're seeing that convergence and migration uh, between different technologies. Um, and you know, some of the, the examples we're seeing right now is um, where traditional DAS vendors are integrating baseband processing into their products, or you're integrating small cells as the source to DAS. Um, and then, like I said earlier, um, this concept of um, uh, networks within networks and, and maybe alternative funding mechanisms, um, I think we start seeing there as well. So, you know, where we traditionally have had a carrier as the anchor, it could be a municipality that want to build a IoT network. And with CBRS, we could go and build that network and then go to the carriers and, and lease them access on it. So that could be a great way of accelerating deployments because you already have the municipality as a interested party in in the deployment. Um, similar as we talked about for the for the um, building in the building market. Um, so I think we, we start seeing more of those type of, of of things happening to be able to take on the increase in densification and the number of sites that need to be built and then number of you know fiber miles and you know we haven't talked much about it but you know even there um, a lot of times people talk about fiber miles but what they don't realize that to be able to do this you need to build a extreme dense fiber grid um, with high number of fiber strands and obviously we're building that you know the CEO of Verizon is out saying you know that's how they need to do it um, so some of that is kind of the groundwork that being put in now to kind of prepare for 5G and some of these other applications that we're seeing. Excellent. Uh, Roger, do you have any final follow-up or um, questions? Yeah, no, I, I look at companies like Extinet and, and DAS provided distributed uh, networks uh, as like force multipliers and, and really specialists in, in very tough to tackle uh, areas. And as we move towards 5G, there's actually a lot more demand for that. And, and so it will be very interesting to see how it develops and how um, how how the, the DAS providers are providing that, you know, somewhere between Greece and Accelerator uh, of deploying uh, these, these distributed networks. It will be very exciting to see. All right, great. Well, we will keep an eye on it. And Tormat, I hope that you guys will keep us surprised of all the news coming out of Exonet. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for inviting me, and it was a pleasure. Thank you. And Roger, thank you again for uh, sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it. 
anytime or better any Tuesday. <laughs> All right, then we will see you again next Tuesday as promised. So this has been another episode of Tuesdays with Roger. Join us next week and we will have the lovely Roger Etner of Recon Analytics with us. Oh, don't make you blush. <laughs> no. See you next week, everyone. Bye-bye.